This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. Monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Poor Ralph. Here you go, Ralph. Happy Valentine's. <gasps> you Choo choo choose me? Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and unbelievably, Joe and OG brought in someone to talk about communication on our Valentine's Day episode when the world's third best communicator, according to I don't speak Portuguese.com, is standing right here. Anyway, I heard these other two people are pretty good, so let's introduce them, I guess. Today, we welcome the authors of the book, The Millionaire Within, Walter Wisniewski and Allison Vanaski. Plus, how do people with good or bad credit look at love? Probably with their eyes, like everybody else, Joe. In our headline segment, though, we're going to talk hearts and statistics with Jonathan Walker from the Center for the New Middle Class. But of course, we'll also answer a lovely Haven Lifeline call. We'll answer a letter someone slipped us in third period. And we'll still save time for my most romantic trivia segment of all time. Plus... It's the most shocking rose ceremony ever on the... Oh, wait, that's the wrong show. And now, two guys who think the best Valentine's days involve a bearskin rug, a crackling fire, nice bottle of Zima, and a mutual fund prospectus. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G! Who says that's not romantic? Of course that's... That's romantic. Such sweet pillow talk. Doug just knows how to get me right in the mood. Do you want? He's right about two of those three things. The mutual fund prospectus and the Pinot, no fireplace. Exactly. Right. Welcome to 
Financial Planning Romantics show. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And the guy's also on Twitter as not the fake OG. It's the real OG. I'm assuming you already have all of your uh, piles of Valentine gifts for Cheryl already purchased. There is no gift. This year, there is an experience. <laughs> what are you laughing about? Uh-huh. Sure. No, it's it's going to be great. I'll tell you offline. I, I can't tell you here because in case she listens to the show for the first time. <laughs> don't want it to be ruined. We're on, what is this, episode 720? This could be the episode she listens to, so we don't want to we don't want to do that. But we got we got a great show today, OG. We've got a father and daughter financial planning team to talk about communication, and you know from working with clients, man, it ain't about knowledge as much as it's about making sure the right words are said in the yeah. op- most appropriate way. And communication, I think, and getting along well with your advisor or with your client in this case. It's going to be one of the biggest success factors, I think, in long-term financial planning success. I think having the right words is an important part of great communication. That's why we want to thank Grammarly for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Imagine the Valentine's Day notes that OG can now send Mrs. OG that he uses Grammarly. Finally. Sentences that actually make sense. Wherefore, they're unto pertaining. And Grammarly will highlight that entire... <laughs> Go, no. <laughs> Back away from that one, mister. Start writing, again. Start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com forward slash SB and you'll get 20% off a Grammarly premium account today. Stacky Benjamins is also brought to you by Murder Book, the new true crime podcast hosted by best-selling author Michael Connolly. It's available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Be sure to check out Dark Sacred Night, Michael Connolly's latest number one bestseller featuring detectives Harry Bosch and Renee Ballard. I'm now finally have pried the book away from Cheryl and I'm starting Dark Sacred Night myself. Michael Connolly's latest number one bestseller featuring Harry Bosch and Renee Ballard. Well, it doesn't take a detective though, OG, to know today's going to be a great Valentine's Day show. Talking communication, talking love and statistics, quite the Valentine's Day party here in the basement. Hubba hubba. Let's get this thing started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first Valentine's Day piece comes to us from ab7chicago.com. Five mistakes you're making with your money. And if you're working with a loved one, a friend, a family member on your money situation. I thought these are always good to uh, dive into. Let's see, OG, if we agree that these are five big money mistakes. Says Valentine's Day right around the corner. Experts say one way to make that love last a little longer is being honest and smart with your finances. True. First one, financial infidelity. Roughly 29 million Americans admit they're keeping financial secrets from their partners like a secret credit card or bank account, 29%. Do you got a secret credit card? Well, it wouldn't be a secret if you told me, would it? I have sock drawer money, but Mrs. OG knows about it, but she doesn't really know like how much is there. And it vacillates, you know. There's been sometimes where it's been, you know, a couple thousand bucks. Does she ever but I'm not hiding it. I'm just, yeah. you know, does she it's not ever, hers. Does she, she, 
Does she ever dip into that money? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Once she found it, of course. Yeah. So it really is hers. Such a movie. Well, you know, everything is hers. She knows that. But no, I mean, I'm certain I've bought some things that she would have disapproved of. But I also don't like I just don't put a lot of value on that in our our house. You know, if she went out and bought a pair of thousand dollar shoes, I would just shake my head and, you know, we wouldn't have a big fight about it. I would just say that's really dumb. And I did the same thing if I would go buy a new set of golf clubs. She'll just look at me and shake her head and say, that was really dumb. It's not going to help. You still suck at golf. I think that's why I like our weekly meeting, because those things rarely, rarely happen where we come home with, yep. a, with, a, with a big surprise. Uh, generally, yep. if we're going to do something that the other person thinks is, is kind of dumb, you know about it ahead of time. And once again, we still do it, like you said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's what's happening. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the important part. I get what some people talk about when they say just have one checkbook, but that has never worked for our family. Just because on a daily basis, the big difference between the way Cheryl and I manage our checkbooks and when we sometimes spend money, how quickly we spend money out of our account, you know, if there's some project that we're working on. (laughs) If if you're looking at it at the same time, you know, one person looks and goes, whoa, five grand. The other person looks and goes, oh, whew, five grand. You know, and then you're both writing checks for a project and all of a sudden we we still have access to all the accounts. Sure. We we log into the same place, we look at them all together, so it's not we're not hiding. In fact, we talked to Farnoosh Tarabi about this. She does the same thing with her family. She and her husband have have separate checking accounts. They all have access to everything. They're not hiding stuff. Like I get when experts say have one, so there's no impetus to hide stuff from each other. That goes nowhere. The secret credit card ain't going anywhere good. But separate accounts, I'm not I'm not convinced that that has to be a thing. Second one on here is no emergency fund. That's a big one. Nearly one third of baby boomers claim they have no money saved, which is a dangerous position to be in so close to retirement. This financial planner in the piece, his name is Alex Sutherland, president investment advisor with Life Plan Group. He said that uh, he recommends his clients as three to six months worth of expenses saved in a separate account that can be accessed in a separate account that can be accessed, that can be accessed. Accessed. <laughs> accessed. You'll get it. Not accessed. That's a different thing. In case of an emergency. I can't believe I can't say that word today. What uh, word? Uh, don't do it. So <laughs> the one piece in here, I'm like three to six months expenses. Wow, that's rocket science. We've never heard that before. Of course, we've heard that all the time. But this idea of having it in a separate account too often I'll see people with their money in their checking account that's their extra money and that's going bye-bye soon. Yeah, not only in the separate account, but for some people, this goes to know yourself, right? Some people need to have that in a separate place, <laughs> you know, yeah. a separate bank without online access to it in a different city, in a different part of this union, in a different time zone. I like that. Uh, no card access, no debit card access. Cut yeah. that thing or out. online access. Like yeah, just you have to actually go into the bank to make something happen, or make a call, or whatever. Because that really would qualify as an emergency, then, right? Neglecting to talk about retirement goals—it's kind of what I like about a lot of the fire movement talk. Just a lot of talk about the yeah. goals. Makes I think this is really funny because I know this has happened to you, and it's happened to me several times, and even recently, where 
you know, you're talking and you're saying, okay, so tell me about your financial independence. And one person speaks up and says, oh, it's going to be awesome. We, uh, we're thinking about like four years from now, then we're going to move and do this stuff. And the other person's like, uh, uh, four, four years from now. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm thinking more 10 years from now. What are you, what are you going to do? And then, and then you just kind of sit back and you just go, Oh, this will be fun. Oh boy. And then you just hear like, well, what are you going to do for like five years? Why, why do you want to retire so early? What are, you know, and it's clear that this is the first time that they've even put a time frame on this, let alone dollar amounts and goals. And what are you going to do during that time and all that sort of stuff? And they're talking about it being uh, four years from now. And it's the first yeah. time they've talked about it. Yeah. That's scary. The last one on here. Joe, is- I want to talk to you about my retirement goals. <laughs> want to retire today. Yesterday, actually. Last is uh, no social security strategy. I'll link to this on our show notes page at uh, stackybedjamins.com. And coming down the stairs from the Center for the New Middle Class, it's our friend Jonathan Walker. Back for more. Happy Valentine's Day, man. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Well, it's good. Do you? I got a question for you. So a guy like you, all into statistics and stuff, do you like find family members, loved ones, and just give them like lovingly statistics for Valentine's Day? You know, I do. Uh, You know, I came home one day and found my 11-year-old had a piece of graph paper out and had been graphing out something related to some video game he was playing. And I'm like, okay, that's my son. Apple, not far from the tree. Exactly. He's got a whole study going down about Fortnite at this point. Oh, that's exactly the kind of stuff we do. So we kind of have fun at home with it, uh, and my wife tolerates it. Well, I've got your Valentine's Day information here in in front of me, and and I love – I love this piece. This one was a lot of fun. A lot of interesting stuff coming out of this study. Yeah, but in the the part of this that I'm looking for, and I I just had it as you were walking down the stairs, was about how people go and look up, single people immediately go and look up uh, as much about somebody's financial picture as possible. What, before the first date? Walk me through that. Yeah, isn't that totally interesting? I mean, I guess in the old days when marriages were arranged, they were political or economic unions, right? And we think we've gotten away from that. And I guess there's still some vestiges of that because, yeah, we found that uh, when it came to people with prime credit scores, one out of every three of them were checking on a potential partner's career and potential salary online before they even decided they were dating them. And non-prime people, still a quarter of them were doing it. So there's clearly this this sense that they still want to make sure that there's a uh, financial viability to the partnership, if you will. But if you're one of the one out of four people that are non-prime, meaning that your credit's not that good, you probably haven't done the best job ever saving. I mean, is that the definition then of a gold digger? Somebody looking for, <laughs> I want to make sure I get somebody for Valentine's Day who uh, has better credit than me? You know, you would think so. But one of the things that I think is at least goes towards their benefit is that they're the least likely to be judgmental. So it's the prime people that are more likely to cut off a relationship and the non-prime people are a little bit more likely to be forgiving of it. And so to that point about gold digging, the other thing I'd, I'd kind of remind us is 
that just because you have non-prime credit doesn't mean you don't have a good job and, oh, good and, point. and you know, you have uh, salary and all that other stuff. So yeah, I had some clients but, that were high up at the TV station back when I used to do television, they made so much money and some people just were so busy. They didn't pay their bills on time and uh, they had tons of money. They just didn't pay their bills on time. So their credit was horrible. Yes. Yes. You see that. And, and sometimes you see people with more money that kind of paper over the mistakes they make because they have the money to be able to do it, to make mistakes and still plow forward. But I will stress that we've got to be really honest with ourselves about the idea that credit score is not always a reflection of character. And we see all the time the thing that impacts people's credit score is often a job loss or a catastrophe or a medical issue that pops up. And so a lot of people who are in that non-prime space are in that non-prime space not based on their own irresponsibility. And so that's why I think this study was really interesting because you're finding a lot of people who are out looking for a, you know, a partner in life, their financial past is coloring how they pursue that, notwithstanding whether or not it was a responsible or irresponsible thing, because some of these people, I think, were dinged by relationships in the past because oh. of the finances. Yeah. And you get into that here a little bit. In fact, it's a couple down, but I want to go through another finding first. You say, regardless sure. of gender, Single non-prime consumers are significantly more likely to say that sexual chemistry is very important or important in selecting a romantic partner. So if you are non-prime, you're like, listen, the bags might not be in order, but if we've got sexual chemistry, it's still going to be okay. <laughs> yes. Well, they were statistically more significant to cite that one. And it may be because they're a little less willing to throw the first stone when it comes to finances. Yeah. And they're like, Hey, you know, when it comes to a relationship, I need to be able to connect with the person because I know that I don't have perfect credit. So why would I expect that to be the most important thing for other people? But then we get into what you were alluding to before, Jonathan, trust and honesty, important factors. 95% of non-prime singles rank these qualities in their top two for selecting a partner. Communication was lower and non-prime singles are less likely to discuss finances in the first three months of dating. The bottom half of that makes sense to me. If my credit's not perfect, I may not want to get into as many money or credit type discussions. No, that's absolutely true. And and that sense of honesty is really interesting when you couple it with some of the other data in that study. For instance, what we found was that almost half of non-prime women say that a partner has been dishonest with them regarding their finances in the past. And so sometimes some of this is this sense of being bit once and 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 so they're a little bit shy moving into things. Uh, into the next relationship. And in fact, one out of three non-prime women say that they've had a relationship that's unraveled because of finances in the past. So yeah, that that sense of honesty is really important. And I'll mention this. We, we did a study last year about marriage and money. And what we found was that one in four marriages has someone who is concerned that their partner is keeping secrets from them. Mm. And so I think one of the things that finances does is expose 
issues that might already be there. So you're right that one of the challenges when you're dating someone is when do you talk about finances? And I think that's a very fair question because you don't want to come across as that being the most important thing in a relationship. But somewhere along the line, you've got to start to understand how you discover someone else and who they are and where they've been. Yeah, I think in crossing that threshold is so, I mean, I can't imagine going on a first date with someone and they put a credit application in front of me before yeah, we ordered it, dinner. What, you, you didn't call someone up and say, hey, I just want to, I'm really excited about our first date tomorrow. Don't forget to bring your credit report and the last three, you know, tax returns. Right, right. And a couple of things from your utility company so that we That's can right. verify you've lived at the same address, right? That's right. We just need to be really clear about where we stand. Set that the might, right foundation for this relationship. Th- th- that might set the wrong foundation. I think with a lot of people, like I think, I think that's, the, I think you're not going to get that first date. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. So uh, people can get more by the way, at newmiddleclass.org. Absolutely. Yeah. We got all sorts of studies there and we really, we try to put out some, something interesting and new fairly regularly. And we've got dozens of, of different studies there. This one will be up there for Valentine's Day, and we're really excited to see how people react to it. It's going to be great. Go take a look. And if, by the way, if you're driving down the road or walking the dog, we'll have a link to Jonathan's study at stackybenjamins.com, but it's newmiddleclass.org. Jonathan Walker, thanks a ton for hanging out with us again and talking Valentine's and and, and credit and honesty and sexual relationships. You and I, the weirdest conversations. That's right. Well, that's the fun of it, right? It's always a pleasure, Joe. Big thanks to Jonathan Walker for stopping by. Before we get to our big takeaways, if you're somebody who wants to have the best, the best written love letter tomorrow, I think you got to check out Grammarly. Me fail English? That's impossible. If you don't want to be like Ralph Wiggum, <laughs> that's impossible. <laughs> me fail English? That's impossible. And everybody knows it's me be fail English. Come on. Get with yes, it. Absolutely. Grammarly will tell you that. Thanks to Grammarly for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people like Ralph improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students and top professionals, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. Grammarly is a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter. Me fail English? That's impossible. Sounds very smart. Well, he's got some work to do. Maybe slightly. You can start off a new year by easily improving yourself and your communication at school, work, and almost anywhere with Grammarly. They help people show their best self through writing and are available across platforms, including online browser extensions. That's what I use. Desktop editors and mobile keyboard checkers. Grammarly's available. That's the one that I use. The mobile one. Grammarly is available everywhere, iOS, Android, Windows, Mac. Their free product reviews, critical spelling and grammar. And their premium edition, which is what we use, looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, readability for different occasions uh, like business proposals, academic essays, casual blog posts, etc. It'll help you accomplish all your goals so you can stop making those email typos that you don't think make you look bad, but that everybody around you goes, huh? Me fail English? That's impossible. I got to tell you something that I really liked with Grammarly. 
at the end of every week, it tells me how many mistakes I had and how my vocabulary is versus other people. Do you know that my vocabulary in my writing is wider than 98% of the population? Easy. I'm sitting right here, man. 98%. I'm in the top, I'm in the top 2% of writers. You know why? Me fail English? That's impossible. That's why right there. Because you didn't fail English. Got it. Head to Grammarly.com slash SB. You know what's going to happen? You're going to get 20% off your Grammarly premium account today. That's Grammarly.com slash SB for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. So on that note, I think our takeaway is you want to uh, look smart. Oh, gee. You want to look smart. I also think that based on our conversation with Jonathan Walker, bringing a credit application to your first date with somebody might not be the strategy that you think it is. <laughs> Probably might be a little forward. What's your FICO score? Just uh, just wondering. Oh, 580? Check, please. Listen, oh. I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. I'm just going to take my keys and my sunglasses with me. Nice meeting you. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> please don't call again. <laughs> Ever. And then the second takeaway is money mistakes. You can use this Valentine's Day date as a great time to talk to your significant other about maybe cleaning those up together, OG. Walter Wisniewski and Allison Vanaski are not just a financial planning team, they're also a father-daughter planning team. They're owners of Arcadia Wealth Management, a fee-only wealth management firm with offices in New York City and Long Island, and they're both CFPs. They talk a lot with their clients about communication, and in their upcoming book, The Millionaire Within, they also talk about the interconnection between emotions, money, and behavior as we look at people going through life-changing transitions. And I thought there'd be no better duo to talk about communication, whether it's with loved ones, friends, financial advisors, financial planning buddies, whoever it might be. So let's say hello to Walter and Allison talking communication with us. And walking down the stairs to the basement, my new friends... Walter Wisniewski and Allison Vanaski. And I, I think I came close on your last names, guys. Yeah, that was great. That was good. You were good. So how are you? Happy Valentine's Day to both of you. Same to you. Happy Valentine's Day. I thought that Valentine's Day is a time, you know, we think about relationships because this is a financial show. I think about relationships with money. So I thought that who better to talk to than the two of you who Allison have been communicating, you've been communicating with your dad your entire life (laughs) uh, to talk about communication around money. But I want to start with something directly from your book, The Millionaire Within, which Walter is about the, uh, the things clients don't say. What clues do clients give you about how they feel about their money by what they don't say? That's right. It's an important point. It's not what people are saying to you, but it's what they're not saying. And we call it this in music. It's called the space between the notes. Where's the real music? 
It's really the space between the notes that are being played. Gustav Mahler had said that he's the, one of the great conductors and uh, composers. And it's the same with people. We're sitting with them and we're listening to them and watching them and hearing them talk. And it's the intonations of their voice, right? The notes. <laughs> and it's the spaces of the silence. And in the silence, you can tell whether there's something heartfelt going on in their life about money. Like give me an example of that, as well, especially with the market, the way the fourth quarter this year, it really, you know, to put it lightly, bounced around a little bit. Um, is it nervousness? Is it not understanding? What are some of the things you see between the lines? Sometimes you, it depends on how a person was brought up. Were they, are they comfortable talking about money? You can see by their body language. Is it, is it an uncomfortable conversation for them? Is there something I need to pry at a little bit more? Or is there, you know, facial expression telling me I should maybe back off here until a little bit more trust is developed? So it's kind of reading their, their non, vocal cues and deciding whether this is something I want to dig deeper on as advisors and try and help them or maybe something they're really not ready to talk about yet. Especially with what happened, you know, in the fourth quarter, it that really shakes a lot of people up. And and to get to know whether that's just plain nervousness or whether it's something greater, it, it's something we can tell just by sitting with them. Mm-hmm. I think this is an important point, you know, for couples or anybody in a relationship like, uh, you know, some of the nonverbal cues that you guys have gotten used to, like people fold their arms, they back away from the table, you know, you kind of know they're getting a little defensive. Like if you've got a spouse or a loved one uh, on a day that's more about communication than any other one, how do you kind of fight through that and get people to interact more about their money? It's uh, we call it like financial planning therapy. Uh Um, they come in and it's we we ask questions and we each one gets a chance to speak first and you'd be surprised when one spouse actually listens to the other yeah in like <laughs> and, a safe space right? and they go i didn't know you felt like that about money mm-hmm. and and oh my god that's why we have tissues on the uh, conference room table you know because they have a chance to speak with a third party neutral and it does make a lot of difference. And, and um, the things that come out, especially like Ali said, the nonverbal cues are really important to pick up on and to bring them up because some of them contain behavioral things and events that occurred in one of the spouse's lives when they were children. And the other spouse didn't know that. Like they had an experience about money and the other spouse really didn't know it. Like somebody, one of our clients growing up in a house of nine children and four of the girls all were in one bedroom and the father would come home at night and say, you know, there's just not enough money. We, we really have to be careful with money. And that person got married, grew up, got married and became multimillionaire and had a problem spending and was so frugal that it took many, many years to help her say, hey, look, you have the wherewithal to buy yourself a new car. Don't drive one that's 14 years old anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other spouse sees that. They say, well, I didn't know that you grew up like that. And and all of a sudden now they become more understanding about why they do things financially. And that maybe was a challenge for each of them as a couple. Okay. 
Allison, is this a good idea then for maybe a date night? You know, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's open up a bottle of wine, go out for a nice dinner and just say, let's just tell each other our money story. I mean, how did you get where you are with money? Or is it often we don't know how we got where we are? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I don't know if it's a good date night. You never know <laughs> what can come out of it. It definitely helps having a neutral party yeah. there to to lay out the playing field where there's no judgment, right? So you don't want, and I, yes, you love your spouse, you love your partner. So hopefully there isn't any judgment there, but maybe the third party person helps to explain it a little bit more and flesh out some of what these people are trying to say to each other. Do you bring up some of these nonverbal cues that you were talking about earlier? Will you say things like, hey, I see you kind of backing away from the table when we talk about this. Does this make you nervous? Do you say things like that? Yeah, I, I do. Because a lot of times, especially with our older couples, the man was always in charge of the finances. So the wife will sit there and sometimes she'll make faces and I'll interject and say, oh, Sharon, I, I saw you flinched when he said that. Is everything OK? Did you have anything to say there? And yep. we really want to make sure both spouses are heard. And it's really important. And I even think the husband appreciates that because I don't even think he realizes it sometimes that that situation is happening. That's the whole thing, Joe, about a date night is that the dialogue between somebody married, not just 50 or 40 years, but even 10 years, it has, they don't speak about money. And all of a sudden, you know, to, for them to speak about money and honestly, they don't have, I don't think they have the tools to do that. And having a third party neutral is, is definitely a really good idea. You know, a financial planner that's trained to do that. How do people make sure that they have that right third party? Because it seems like, you know, a lot of the time there's financial planners out there who are more interested in what type of uh, fixed annuity we're going to buy or which permanent life insurance product we're going to shove down somebody's throat than really the listening. Are there some cues to know that you've got the right person? Right. Uh, the person that would be a good third party neutral is somebody that is a fee only financial planner. And that's one that um, accepts no commissions or remunerations from anybody except what the client pays them. So they talk about all aspects of a, of a person's life, wills and trusts, taxes, uh, investments, uh, what's going on personally in their lives, mm -hmm. anything with the children, getting involved with the families but um, no commissions or anything except what the client pays. So it's truly objective advice and acting as a fiduciary, which the fiduciary rule is, quote, in the best interest of the client. Well, and it, right. sounds, it sounds like, Allison, too, then it's much more holistic, which means that you'd have to have a lot of these conversations we're talking about. Yeah, we look at every aspect of a client's life from going back to how they were brought up to how many kids they have to knowing whether they want to fully fund a, their children's education to talking about their parents and, and retirement. We look at everything. We know financial stone is left unturned. And Joe, Ali probably, you know, doesn't like to hear this, but Ali even bought a car for one of our uh, <laughs> widow clients. 
I mean, she was an older lady and she was just afraid to go out there and do it. And we bought a car for her and did all that stuff. She just picked it out and we did all the work with the salesman. I want to talk about a different level of communication, which is the self-talk. You know, you guys see this all the time. People convince themselves that they can't do something or that it's it's different than, you know, reality is different than the way it is. How do you talk somebody out of some of this negative self-talk about their money that so many of us have? We get them to understand a little bit how the brain works. There's part of the brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, where there's a place called the amygdala. And the amygdala is where we're wired to keep us safe. And it's it's what the caveman used 50,000 years ago when he saw a lion in the open plains. And he doesn't think, he sees a lion, he goes, I'm going to move really fast (laughs) and climb up a tree or do whatever I need to get away. And we're wired to that same apparatus in our brains to the stock market and to money so that when the stock market goes down, the first thing we want to do is, I have to get out of here. I have to get out of the way. What do I do to stop this from happening to me? And that's why people go home at night and they will see that their account's down and they press a button that says, sell everything. So I think the way people do that is that they're wired the wrong way. And we help them understand by educating them and say, look what's happening now. You know, look at this behavioral thing. You can't help it. It, Our brains are wired. Don't worry. But wait a minute. When it comes up, you need to know that's that's going to be your initial reaction. That's the right brain intuitive. Having the feeling. So you tell you, you educate them that having the feeling is okay. Acting on the feeling is where the problem comes in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a lot of these negative feelings, they might've stemmed from a mistake that they've made in the past. So I should have mm-hmm. been saving more this whole time. Um, and they're just constantly dwelling on it. And a lot of what we do is not this a, a huge overhaul of their finances. It's making one or two small tweaks in their lives that can make a really big difference in the long run. So a lot of times that helps with those negative feelings like, oh, I am taking a a small step in the right direction. Like I got it, I'm on track now. That's the millionaire within Joe is doing little steps, little steps every day, one step here that makes you a better financial person. Isn't it amazing? Everybody thinks they're far away from it and what you're saying is they're not. No, they're not at all. They. People just need to realize how powerful they have. They have, you have a, a job and you're earning an income. That's so powerful. What are you doing with all that money you're making? How much of it do you spend on your mortgage or your rent? How much are you saving? What are you doing to further your career? So this idea of human capital, the power to produce for yourself. Now, how do we increase that income in the long run so we can save more or spend more? People don't realize the potential that they have, and we help them unleash that. Especially millennials. And if you're talking about Valentine's Day, the millennial couples, the young ones, they don't maybe don't have a lot of money, a lot of savings, but they do have good human capital. They have the power to produce. If they're both earning about $100,000, over the next 10 years, they're going to they're going to earn a million dollars. And if they save 20% of that, they're going to be able to put $200,000 away. So that's a real powerful asset. So the young millennial couples need to understand that. They have to really like, really pay attention to their human capital and add value all the time. That is so powerful. Where were you when I was 25? <laughs> Just, I, uh, uh, I want to go to one more type of communication before we have to say goodbye, which is something that, that is, is not covered in the book, but is a really important thing on a day like Valentine's Day. And that's 
older relatives, or if you are an, uh, an older person, you have adult children, when do you start having these intergenerational communications, these intergenerational talks about your money, about where things are and kind of leaving your legacy, that type of stuff? For our younger clients, um, even clients in their 30s that maybe recently got married, we'll always ask them about their parents. Hey, how, you know, what's your parents' financial situation? Do you guys know? Do you guys, are they okay? Do you think you'll need to help them out? Just to get an inkling of what they're thinking, because that really has an impact on their long-term planning as a couple. If they are going to have to support their parents, if they don't know, and if they have no idea what their parents' financial situation, now that gives them something to think about and maybe talk to their parents about. But it brings up a good point that maybe they've never they've never even thought about that before, that it could have an impact on their lives. But you know, Allison, how difficult that is. I get to the point yeah. that I'm going to talk to my mom and dad about about their money that's an, yeah. uh, how do you broach that? Sometimes it's not, it, maybe it's not an action item for them, but maybe it's more of a noticing factor. So the next time they're with their parents, they, it, it's something they never thought of before. Um, do my parents, you know, buy us all dinners a lot? Yes. And then they have no problem with it. So maybe they're okay. And maybe, Maybe it shows some fiscal responsibility, though, even talking to them about it. Hey, guys. Hey, mom and dad. I, I recently met with a financial planner, and they were asking about your situation. Mm-hmm. Are you guys okay? Are you want to talk about it? Do you want to have that conversation? Right. Just asking them if they want to have a conversation might be a good place to start. A good segue is when you talk about the wills and the estates, because that you're automatically yeah. talking the beneficiaries. Hey, are your beneficiaries really in line. And then now we have to talk to the parents or the beneficiaries correct. And generally, nine times out of 10, people's beneficiaries are wrong. I mean, we have stories of, <sighs> of, of beneficiaries. There was a man that went to the Supreme Court in New Jersey because he was married 50 years. His wife passed away. But just before he got married, his wife's sister was the beneficiary on her pension. And lo and behold, he never got along with her. They fought together all the time, him and his sister-in-law. His wife passed away. And who was beneficiary to (laughs) the pension? And he needed the money. But the sister got all the money. And he goes, oh, my God. He went to court. And the court says, no, I'm sorry. You really should have looked at that. That's her money now. And wow, just a little thing like that. So... I tell that story and we tell it to the children. We tell Uh it to the parents. And now that gives us the opportunity to say, okay, can we be open about this a little better? Yeah. It's great to tell a story. Stories are the best. I think that's a wonderful way to bring it up because, you know, using this third party and bringing that in makes it less this hammer and nail thing. Yeah. 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 Not as direct as what are the beneficiaries and then eat your mushrooms. You know? probably don't want to do that let's talk because i'm so happy you guys were able to to talk about your expertise with us for valentine's day such a big day for communication but let's let's talk about the millionaire within even more we've been bringing it up often throughout our last 15 minutes together but allison what made you guys decide to write the book 
Uh, my dad has just so much wisdom and, and history with working with his clients for so long. And uh, when I joined the firm a number of years ago, we decided to to put them all together and, and try and make a book out of it and really use this book to to help people mm-hmm. feel in control about their finances. Mm-hmm. This idea of control is is huge. You know, people, okay, yeah, I'm saving into my 401k, but what does it mean? Well, it means you can retire at some point in life. You can take a check from there one day. And uh, we want to help people teach people and educate them. Um, so we put all of our stories together. Yep. All these stories. And we tell a lot of stories because the best way to get a point across is to tell a story. And and a lot of times we tell people stay in the present moment because that's where the control is. Mm -hmm. The past is dead. You can't change anything. And the future has so many variables. You need a computer the size of a house to figure them out. But if you make tiny changes, and that's what the millionaires do, little things each day, that's where the control is in the present. That is one of my favorite points from your entire book. And there's lots of fantastic points. And I love the fact that where a lot of books just focus on the how, and you guys have plenty of how in here, it is really a lot more about the why than most books, which is obviously like we talked about today, where a lot of people's understanding falls off. They don't know why they should do this stuff, why they should think so hard about it. But this idea about controlling the present, I think you're right on, Walter. Everybody worries about what's the future going to be in the market. We can't control that. And what happened in the past is gone. We can't do anything about that either. I mean, most of your meetings, I would think, based on the conversation we just had today, is just trying to keep people focused on what we can control, which is right now. Exactly. Yep. Tough, tough stuff. All kinds of great stuff in the book. I'm going to go through some of the chapters here. The Magic of Music, by the way, one of my favorite chapters in the Science of Synchronicity. We talked a little bit about music. Uh, Your Best Investment Yourself, talking about the human capital, adjusting your attitude, ignoring the noise, the aha moment, uh, the space between the notes, ways to increase your dollars and cents. Uh, What She Tackles, She Conquers, Women on the Move, and Unleashing the Millionaire Within. The book is called The Millionaire Within, a guidebook to money, relationships, and creating a vision for your unique path to success. Two things. Number one, where do people get the book if they'd like it? They can get it on Amazon. Awesome. And then second, if people want to talk more to the two of you, how do they find you? Yeah, um, go to our website, I think would be the best thing. It's www.arcadia.com. Dot com. Awesome. And there's a contact info on there. Cool. And you know what? If you're walking the dog or on your commute, wherever you might be, if you're not near your computer, we'll have you covered. We'll have all the links that Allison talked about and link to the book on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Well, Walter and Allison, thank you so much for spending a little bit of your Valentine's Day with us. And yeah, thank you, too. Great. Thank you. there, trivia lovers. In just a moment, I'll deliver your favorite part of the show, your trivia. But first, I'm just a little confused. I was flipping through my weird holiday calendar, and I see it's I Love You Madly Day. Makes sense, because it's the day before Valentine's Day, and who doesn't want to get an early start? But it's also National Condom Day. Put those two together, and what do you have? I kind of love you, but not enough to have kids or STDs? I mean, what kind of commitment is that? Or, or maybe it's a, I'm a big fan, but let's not start a family together day. Mixed signals, mixed signals. Well, I'm not going to solve that conundrum, so let's focus on your trivia. Considering all the connections someone has in their life, be it friends, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wives, kids, pets, whatever, which connection will have the most money spent on them this Valentine's Day? 
Well, he's back. Best-selling author Michael Connolly with his new podcast, Murder Book, his new true crime podcast. Thanks, by the way, to Michael Connolly and Murder Book for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Connolly returns to his roots as a journalist, and he now presents the true crime podcast, Murder Book. Of course, working with the very detectives who inform his novels and his hit television show, Bosch, podcast explores real homicide cases not covered by mainstream media season one in fact is the telltale bullet dives into a 30 year old hollywood carjacking gone wrong that tests the limits of the american criminal justice system by the way also out from michael Connolly, dark sacred night this guy doesn't sleep his latest number one best-selling thriller featuring detectives harry bosch and renee ballard and nothing i like better than being in front of the fireplace with the dark sacred night. This has been a fun ride, by the way. I think if you know Michael Connolly, I know you're going to love it. And if you've never read Michael Connolly, it's a good introduction. And I'm sure you'll find yourself later on going back through the uh, long list of Harry Bosch and Renee Ballard books. Besides that, it's funny on my run yesterday, I was listening to murder book and I love how Michael follows these real law enforcement cases. It's uh it is, so fun, and the miles just kind of flew by. Four miles in the cold. How about that? Me and Michael Connolly. So be sure to check out Michael Connolly's new Murder Book podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast, or of course at murderbookpodcast.com. That's murderbookpodcast.com. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm back with your trivia answer. No. Seriously, I almost tripped on the third step coming back down to the basement, and this whole show would have been completely ruined. But fear not, people. Your answer has arrived. Can't remember the question? Let's hand over this nugget one more time. Considering all the connections someone has in their lives, be it friends or boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, beanie baby maintenance crew, maybe your mustache stylist, maybe your El Camino waxer. I mean, who would have one of those? But you get what I point. Which connection will have the most money spent on them this Valentine's Day? The answer? While the pet dog will have $86 spent on them for some special treats, pet cats will share more in the love with over $96 spent on them. When it comes to people, boyfriends, he'll finish dead last with about 105 spent on you, while the nebulous other family members will clock in at $146. Secret crushes will gather 160 while husbands will get less than friends. Husbands at 206 and friends at 208. Girlfriends can expect an average of $231 spent on them, while people will selfishly treat themselves to $235. But the big winners... Kids, you're going to haul in 280 bucks. But wives, today truly is the day for you because on average, your spouse will spend $357.90 on you. And there, people, is the reason I am not married. 357 dineros. Who's got that kind of jing just sitting around? See ya. Yeah, that's the reason Doug's not married. Yeah, that's exactly the reason. That's a, I, no other theory, even. It's just $357 between him and marital bliss. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline OG and tackle some of life's most important questions. 
Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency put what you value first, NOG, on the day before Valentine's Day. We asked everybody in the basement what the two things are they value most. And our friend Dylan said, and this is important, biscuits and gravy. Okay. How do you beat it? I mean, seriously. Yeah. How do you... It's got to be some pretty compelling gravy. <laughs> Valentine's Day, biscuits and gravy. Mm. It's actually your family and your time. But if I could have my family time over biscuits and gravy, Dylan... I'm all about it. That's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. Their application simple and online. You get an instant coverage decision. Their prices are affordable. And of course, they're issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, who's more than 160 years old. I always get excited when I see all the innovation happening over at Haven Life. Innovation in the insurance world. That's why we like partnering with Haven Life. Uh, needs it. And they're leading the way, so that's good. And today we're going to throw out the Haven Lifeline to our new friend, Zach. Say hi, Zach. Hey, Joe and OG. My wife and I have been following Dave Ramsey's baby steps for about 11 months now and are working on paying off our debt. We just recently discovered the FIRE community and have made it our goal to retire in 25 years, approximately age 50. Conventional wisdom says that once we begin investing again, we should start with my employer Roth 401k and my wife's Roth IRA. Since this money isn't accessible until we're 59 and a half, without fees and the 10% tax penalty, should we be looking into other options instead? We're looking for suggestions that would minimize the fees and taxes withdrawn from our accounts. Don't worry, I promise not to learn anything from you guys. Thanks. Thanks for the question, Zach. Good question. Wants to retire at 50. Can't get at that money to 59 and a half. What do you do with that conundrum, OG? Zach, congratulations on getting almost done with all that uh, nasty debt and emergency fund, boring stuff. But you got to do it because you got to build the foundation. So good job. On the saving front, I agree with you. Conventional wisdom does suggest that you should put money in your 401k up to the company match. Your spouse, if she's working, should also do the same thing. Then maybe back to individual Roth IRAs if you have the uh, income uh, ability to do that and the savings ability. The question about how do I get money out between 50 and 59, of course, is an interesting one because if you look at it, you say, well, if I retire early and this rule of 59 and a half is there, what do I do? Well, there's a couple of different ways. Firstly, with Roth IRAs, all of your contributions are accessible to you after your account's been open five years. So you can take your contributions out, not the growth, but you can take your contributions out tax-free or penalty-free after your account's been open five years. So you'll meet that pretty easily. Secondly, if you get past all of that and you've withdrawn all your contributions, you can also set up a withdrawal plan. It's very complicated, but it's called a 72T is what it's called, or substantially equal periodic payments. And someone needs to help figure this out for you, probably. It's a little risky to kind of do on your own. But uh, long and the short of it is this. As long as you take out the same amount of money every single uh, year, then the IRS doesn't give you any penalties. So that's the trade-off. You have to do it for a certain amount of time. And there's some other bells and whistles there, too, that you got to be aware of. But generally speaking, if you've got enough money to re retire at 50, you can retire at 50. Here's the thing that I'm going to infer from Zach's question. If he says he's working through the baby steps, that means he's working through debt. 
I know that when I was working through my debt issue, part of my problem was me. And obviously you have to know yourself. And we talked about this during the headline segment, OG, about having money at a separate bank, maybe getting rid of a lot of the access to that. I think if he's if he's just starting out saving, and we don't know this, which is why I'm inferring this, but if he's just starting out saving, I would begin by making sure that money's in retirement accounts because it's harder to get to. Even though it's yeah. less flexible, that lack of flexibility is going to work in his favor behaviorally because he's going to think twice before touching it. Where if he just opened up a flexible, like a regular brokerage account or invested in, you know, someplace where he can get it, you might go get it for other stuff. Yeah. So for the first several years, I just worry about the later years in life and protecting that. And as you get closer to 50, then I'd start shoring up those earlier years of retirement. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes tons of sense. Yeah. Thanks, Zach, for that question. We also get letters down here in the basement. And today's letter comes to us from Any Mouse. We've talked to Any Mouse before. Any Mouse says, Dear Doug and his neighbors, I'm wondering if I need life insurance. I'm divorced with a great little boy, though his mom has primary custody. She's a high income earner, though I still pay child support. Her income and investments on his behalf, 529 trust, et cetera, are more than enough to cover his needs. I have other plans in the works for his education as well. He's my only heir, and I plan to keep it that way. I currently have a policy that more than covers my obligations through his adulthood, but it's through a job I'm planning on leaving, already given notice. I have passive income through investments and rental properties that already nearly equals my child support payments each month. In the event of my death, my assets could either produce enough or be liquidated for his benefit. I have a trust that I'll be tweaking to make sure all of it is either maintained or disposed of in his best interest. Obviously, I'm 100% concerned with providing for my son. My question is, do I have enough to be considered self-insured, or is there some reason I'm not thinking of that I should get a life insurance policy once I leave this job? Thanks for the surely great wisdom from Doug, and whatever those other two folks have to say, Eddie Mouse. Awesome letter. Thanks for that, Eddie Mouse. What do you got to say about that, OG? It sounds like he's right on the edge is what it sounds like. It sounds like he's really close and you could probably make a case on both sides of the equation to say yes and no. I would want to make sure everything that you and your former spouse, because you can't control that side of the equation anymore, would be responsible for, would be taken care of. And what I mean by that is, so right now she's a high income earner. Right now she has money. Right now she is saving a boatload of money. What happens if she gets sick and goes through all of her money and then something bad happens and then something bad happens to you too? So now there's no money and you have just taken care of your child support obligations, which <clears throat> in most cases end at age 18. And in most cases are, you know, maybe a few thousand bucks a month, all said and done. So not living high in the hog, basically, and certainly not paying for college. So I think you're in a unique situation in that you have to assume that his mother won't bring anything to the table. And if that's the case, then plan for that also. And so maybe that means that you need a little bit. But that could also be just a quick conversation with her if they're amicable. Have a conversation because if she has life insurance. Right, but you can't control it. That's my point is that she could say, oh, yeah, hey, I got a million bucks in the bank. I got a $10 million term insurance policy. That's all going to Jack. And she may be full of crap or she may spend it all or she may get, you know, have a lawsuit that takes it all away or 
who knows what. So you can't you can't be assured that what she has today is the same thing that she's going to have in the future. And you're not since you're not privy to that like kind of ongoing conversation probably because it's you know not your business really anymore. Then you know you can't see the writing on the wall. You can't see oh gosh, why she hadn't worked in a long time? Probably spending all that money or something even crazier happened. So it's not a big deal because if you're tolerably healthy, my goodness, a half a million dollar life insurance policy, which probably more covers more than everything needed here is tens of dollars a month. You know, if you're, if you're a relatively healthy person and even if it were a hundred dollars a month, you know, it's not the end of the world either. So that's kind of my case for the side of, do you need it on the side of you don't need it? It's really important that as you work through your estate planning, that you put some guardrails in place around the people who are going to be in charge of your money for the benefit of your of your son, and also guardrails around your son when he's old enough legally to manage the money. There is no chance that I want my kids at age 18 to have access to a big giant trust fund because I don't care how great of a parent I am, they're still 18-year-old boys. And they will do really dumb things with money. Let's talk about some of those guardrails, because I think those are important, like some things you've seen people do. When you talk about guardrails, what do you mean? So for us, I can just tell you what we've done. We assume that if anything bad happens to the both of us, that the kids you know, get everything. But we have an investment trustee, so somebody who's in charge of the money, but it's part of a committee. So there's actually three people that are on the you know, finance committee, so to speak. And we've got this written down in our trust. And their job is to, you know, have a two thirds vote. So two out of three people got to vote for any excess distributions above what would be considered uh, normal live health and living expenses for the kids. So if the guardian says, you know, the person who's in charge of the kids say, you know, we need a new minivan. Well, that's above and beyond kind of normal living expenses. Two out of the three people on the committee got to approve that. Okay. The second thing is, is that we give our kids control of portions of the trust as they get older and hit certain milestones or hit certain milestones. So as they go through college, but we don't have it mandated that they go to college, you know, but they have to reach a certain age, they don't necessarily get access to the money, but they get access to control part of the money. And so my idea would be that at age 21, they get a portion of the trust in which that they, they can manage on their own. And it's a small portion, but you can see with the investment committee, with the, the large corpus that's left, they can b- watch the behavior and they can help guide and educate the kids so that when they turn 26 and they get another little bit, they're increasing their learning skills so that by the time they're, and I've got it dragged all the way out till 40, by the time they're 40, if they haven't figured it out by then, then fine, screw them, they can spend it all. But um, you just see here and see so many bad stories of, you know, whether it's lottery winners, you know, just that sudden wealth thing, professional athletes, whatever, where, you know, they get a couple million bucks and that that's more money than you thought existed in the entire world. <laughs> so it'll never run out. That's why I should buy a Ferrari, even though I'm 18. You do that a couple times and, and a couple bad investment choices, or you help your buddies out with a business or something. And I want to put those, those guardrails into place. I work too damn hard to have my kids blow it all. <laughs> 
Well, and there's actually another guardrail you can put in place, which is a little controversial, but it's certainly something to think about. Has nothing to do with your kids. It has to do actually with the people that would take care of them before they reach the age where they can get at any of the Uh money. Guardians. And so you have these two different roles. You have a guardian and a conservator, and the conservator is the person that takes care of the money. The guardian is the person that takes care of the kids. Now, 99% of the time, these are the same people. Yeah, not in my house or not. Well, that's well, and that's what I wanted to bring up because they don't have to be the same person. And I've seen, yeah. I've, I used to have conversations with some people, and they'd say, you know, my sister's going to take care of my kids, but because she's great with kids, oh, but she's horrible with money, and I don't worry about her and loving my kids. I worry about her doing the right thing with this money. So in that yeah. case, they'd find somebody else in the family who's very responsible with the money to take care of the kid's money and somebody else to be, you know, maybe the sister in this case, to be the person that takes care of the kids. Let me tell you, if you have these people be two separate people, they're going to hate each other. They just will. And there is there is no way that that's not going to be a relationship that's going to have animosity. It It's going to have animosity. But, you know, you're not doing this to make friends. You're doing this to make sure your kids are adequately uh, cared for. And um, so you might want to consider having those be two separate people if the person taking care of the kids isn't great with cash. Yeah, I think it's uh, especially, you know, as the trust funds get bigger and bigger, I think it's more and more important to make sure that you put some protections in place there because doing the right thing over a couple of decades turns a fairly decent amount of money into an insane amount that helps a lot of generations for a long time. Think Rockefellers and you know the Vanderbilts and whatever. And doing the wrong thing early on craters all of that and it doesn't do anything good for anybody. So for me, I'm trying to avoid that really big mistake early. Good to hear from any mouse again. Thanks for the question. Any mouse, we love hearing from you, but you're not getting any swag. The swag's going to go to Zach, uh, who also had a great question today because he called the Haven Lifeline. If you've got a question for us, you want to call the Haven Lifeline, stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And uh, we are getting a little, a little behind. We're going to have here coming up soon, OG, we're going to have another all letters episode to try to speed up and make sure that we get uh, some of these questions answered. The faster way, as always, is the Haven Lifeline, stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. All right, last thing before we say goodbye, if you're somebody that needs good financial help in your corner and you're looking to make 2019 a rocket ship, OG and his firm are taking clients to get on the calendar to talk to his team about what it would take to have them in your corner, stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG. That's going to do it for today. Happy Valentine's Day, OG. St. Valentine's Day. Get it right. You know, my grandpa's middle name was Valentine. Was it really? Yeah. I think it's a cool middle name. I think it's a great middle name. Was this his favorite holiday? I think his favorite holiday was when Michigan State beat Michigan. Oh, that's a great day. In just about any sport. So Yes. So it it moved. There was a lot of years where there weren't any holidays. Oh, easy. (laughs) We got got to end on uh, this very serious note. Me fail English? That's impossible. 
Sure thing, Joe. You know, since they were probably sleeping through most of that episode. Well, except for the very beginning and then that awesome part right in the middle. I'll tell them what they could have learned if they were paying attention first. Take some advice from Walter Wisniewski and Allison Vanaski and communicate this Valentine's Day. Where have I heard that before? You know, whether it's a significant other, your friends, or a trusted advisor, over-communicating beats saying nothing, especially if your money isn't working the way you'd hoped. Second, take some advice from Jonathan Walker from the Center for the New Middle Class and know that while communication is important, when it comes to a financial partner, trust and honesty are number one and number two. But the big lesson... Don't let Joe talk you into offering to take Joe's mom to White Castle on Valentine's Day. That woman's a diva. Sizzler with the shrimp appetizer. Here we go again. Special thanks to Walter Wisniewski and Allison Vanaski. You can find more from them at their site, ArcadiaWM.com. Another special thanks to Jonathan Walker from the Center for the New Middle Class. You'll find all of their fascinating studies at newmiddleclass.org. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and there's a 73% chance that I played Chuck on Happy Days. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. And finally, my specially prepared Valentine's poem to all of you lovers out there. Remember this, roses are red, violets are blue, vodka is cheaper than dinner for two. You're welcome. Normally here, we don't talk about anything related to finance or the show. I guess this isn't related to finance, OG, but it is related to the show. San Francisco, Bay Area, we're coming to see you. 27th. Two weeks. Two weeks out on Wednesday, and you have secured a great location. We know the location. Well, I've almost secured it. It's on my to-do list today to secure, so I promise. Gotcha. I will secure it. All right. So if you make sure you either are signed up for the stacker or uh, you're in the basement Facebook group, because we will get the word out in those two reliable places about where yeah. we will so be. So it's called Bear Bottle. Bear Bottle Brewing. 
either way, we'll be there. Whether or not they have space for us will be a different issue. <laughs> if I manage to call them in advance. We might be standing, uh, but we will be there. Well, we don't know the times yet. I think it closes at 10, so it won't be late night. It's a school night anyway. So so I think, uh, I don't know. What are you thinking? Maybe like uh, 7 to seven to 9? Yeah. 6 to 9? Yeah. Something like that. A little, uh, little chow. There's uh, There'll be a little food truck there. I'm guessing adult beverages as it's a brewery. We will so. not mandatory though. We'd of course love, not. We'd love to see you. Have you water. Don't, you don't have to have uh, don't have to have a, a beverage. But I will have something with foam on top. And then the next morning we get up bright and early. Get on the uh, Stacking Benjamins Express. That's the name of our new airplane. That's what I call it anyway. Uh, things are well. <laughs> things are going well. We've got a golf stream. Thanks to Grammarly. <laughs> Thanks to Grammarly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Just kidding. And then we're flying up to... Imagine if, uh, imagine if, if, if Grammarly paid podcasters enough for an airplane. Yeah, a golf stream even. Yeah. We'd have some stiff competition in a hurry. People knew exactly how much how much we actually make doing this. You would never do it. would quit podcasting. <laughs> so, so this is a funny story. We'll talk about Seattle in a second. I had some fun hanging out with Seth Ressler who is the co-host of the debrief podcast. It's a Detroit arts entertainment podcast. And they opened for us, as you know, in in Detroit, they were our opening uh, show. And so Seth and I went to one of my favorite places for the Vincetta garage. Have you been to Vincetta garage? Don't know. Really cool place on, on Woodward Avenue where, Oh yeah. You took me there where they uh, it's, it's it's like a garage that they've remodeled. And now like your food comes on oil pans and it's Mm, delicious. It is. It is awesome. It's just so Detroit. But the, uh, I didn't say dirty oil pans. I mean, it just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go, I think there's a lug nut in my is burger. There's a WD-40 or, or 5W-30? Yeah. But Seth, Seth and I were talking, you know, just getting to know each other. Because I know Seth a little bit, but but you're sitting there over beers talking. And we went over the, the math of seven years of podcasting for you and I. And the trajectory of how it's gone. And clearly this is not a business to get into. If it takes you, if it takes you seven years to get to the point that we've gotten to, which still, which still has five doubles to go, has a long way to go. (laughs) This is not, I always laugh when I see somebody say they're going to get into podcasting for the money. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? What yeah. are you? T- well, I mean, if you're if you're a celebrity, you know, like somebody like a Tim Ferriss, when he launched his podcast, of course, it was pretty rough around the edges at first, but he had an immediate following sure. of you know tens of millions of people. I'm you not, and I had tens of people, yeah, as an immediate following. Well, so. Paula Paula Pant talks about how excited I was when she got that she got that email. You know, where I was excited because we'd gone from 67 listeners to 69 listeners. And, and yeah. I was, I was pretty ecstatic. I'm like, you, I can imagine a room with 70 people in it. Like that's, right. that, that, that's, that's a, a pretty big room. That is a big room. That's, yep. that's an amazing sized room. But, but anybody getting into this, uh, this business for money, if you don't have that huge following is nuts. But anyway, so we take the big Crazy. money though. Take the big, so we're gra- taking the big money. The we're big taking grammarly the money. Benjamin's Express. Tail, tail number American one one six nine. I mean, uh, tail number uh, <laughs> right, 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 middle seat number. Yeah, thirty two D. Right, uh, basic economy. Well, let's not get too crazy. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe maybe for you. He's <laughs> some of us are gonna not do that. <laughs> anyway, I can't well, it's I think it's important also for people to know, you know how like in the with executives at big Fortune 500 companies, they have rules where you can't fly in the same plane. Like the whole executive team has to fly in separate golf streams, you know, so continuity leadership. Same deal for us. We're going to make you fly Delta. I'm flying American, you know, just for the continuity plan. And we should tell people why we're really doing that. Well, yeah, that's because moving to Detroit are on America. Right. Are on Delta. Well, mine, mine aren't on Delta yet, but Detroit's a Delta hub. So yeah. it behooves me to start building Delta points now. So we're t- yeah. we're taking separate flights for that reason. Plus, I can't that's, I can't stand you. So that's a, well, you wouldn't see me anyway. You'll be in basic economy. I'll be three <laughs> cocktails in before you even board, dude. <laughs> you give me that glassy eyed look. I, You're like I, I faintly know you, guy in I the did back. A, uh, I was traveling with so my after school activity. Uh, sometimes I have to travel. So I'm hanging out with all my buddies who do this with me. And and they're like, oh, yeah, okay. The, the, you know, the gate agent says, hey, we're going to start boarding in a second. And everybody kind of starts rustling, you know, their stuff to get up and whatever. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, now boarding group one. I'm like, I get up and they go, where the hell are you going? I'm like, guys, I'm getting on the plane. <laughs> I'm on the plane. I'm a cocktail in. All of a sudden, here comes my buddies. I got birds from every single person and some choice words. But anyways, <laughs> after we get up uh, get up to uh, Seattle, so Thursday the 28th, Seattle's going to be at, uh, what's the name of that place? Elysian. But there's two of them. Well, there's I guess there's more than two. But uh, the one we're going to go to is the one by CenturyLink. The other one that y'all met at last time is closed for renovations right now. Yeah. So we're going to be up by CenturyLink. Probably same time, you know, six to nine maybe or something. I don't know. Uh, we'll figure that out, but um, should be fun. And then you're going to stay for a couple of days because uh, Nick's up there. Cheryl's going to come in. You and I are going to have a great breakfast the next day, though. This place that I was introduced to by some uh, some great clients up there. I am so looking forward to having breakfast at this place. And uh, What's it called? You're coming. Cafe something. Cafe something. Oh, mm. cafe champagne, something like that. Champagne. Yeah, that's exactly how they said it. Um, anyways, it was fantastic. Had a great breakfast. So I'll take you there since they took me there. That is that is awesome. And then I think I'm going to be visiting wine country after you're headed home. You realize that right now they're getting like five inches of snow up there, right? I do. <laughs> Nick couldn't. Like, Nick couldn't get out of his driveway because the driveway's on a hill. And uh, he drives a late model car, but luckily for his job, he can work from home. Nick's my son, and he can yeah. work from home. So he's like, "Yeah, they had to. My my roommates had to come help uh, push me, push me back into the driveway." He was. He didn't slide across and run over the mailbox. He did not. No, no, it did not happen. Again, isn't that yeah? No, no reprise of that one. No, very funny. funny. Anyway, so San Francisco the twenty seventh, Seattle the twenty eighth, and. Uh, more stuff coming. And let us know, by the way, once we post these, let us know that you are coming so we make sure we have enough seats. When we were in Seattle last time, I grossly uh, underestimated the number. Well, we're, you know, it'll be out before this show's out because we'll put it up this weekend, I think. But Yeah, good stuff. 
Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate take a look at all the military appreciation month offers and their usual offers navy federal our members are the mission navy federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender